Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast. Your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin. Being told no in your career is no fun. Maybe your initial response is to hide under your desk and never ask for more again. But today's episode will inspire you to re-strategize. Negotiation professor and author of Ask For More, Alex Carter, is here to share the exact questions to ask in your next negotiation to get what you want, including how to turn a no into a yes, three best practices to follow, and her advice on whether or not you should share an exact number the next time you're in the middle of a salary negotiation. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Aaliyah. I just wanted to hop on quickly and say thanks so much for listening and supporting the Career Contessa podcast. We've just had our highest listening month and we quite literally couldn't have done it without you. So thank you so much. If you would like to continue supporting us, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps boost our show. Plus, sometimes we get episode ideas from the reviews. So if you want us to cover a certain career topic, let us know in there too. And we really want to keep making this show free for everyone with no paywalls. So please consider checking out all of our amazing sponsors. Every week we link them in the show notes and they're always providing so many great offers for our listeners. So I highly recommend checking that out. Okay, that's it. Thanks again. And we really appreciate all of you. Well, hi, Alex. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. So it seems like a natural good place to start would be a brief introduction into who you are and your experience with negotiation. Sure. So by day, I'm a professor at Columbia Law School. I teach negotiation and also mediation, which is the art of helping other people negotiate through really difficult conflicts. And it's interesting when you ask who I am, I wonder how many of your audience might think, you know, this woman teaches negotiation. She's a law professor. She was kind of born ready to ask for more. And importantly, something about me people don't often know is that that wasn't the case. In fact, earlier on in my career, I was the woman who was an incredible negotiator for everybody but herself. If you were my colleague, if you were a family member or a friend and you needed anything, I would fearlessly go out and get it for you. But when it came to myself, I often hesitated. And so 
you know, the latter part of my career has really been leaning into all of these things that I'm able to do for other people. How do I do those for myself? And I'm sure we'll get to it later, but there was one really important moment in my career where I completely reframed what it was to negotiate for myself. And after that moment, I started saying, you know what? I'm going to ask for more for myself now on every occasion. I'd love to hear it. What, what's the story? Okay. All right. You don't want me to tease it any longer. <laughs> no, so no. Here it is. Here it is, Lauren. Okay. Early on in my career, I had jobs that were all what we call lockstep. There was no negotiation. It was a set salary. And many of your listeners may have had the same thing. The first time I knew that I had to negotiate for my own salary, I was super nervous. So I, I put on at the time, this was in person, I put on my best black pantsuit, my big heels, because I'm only 5'2". <laughs> and I went in there and something kind of shocking happened. They gave me an offer that was better than what I expected. And in that moment, I almost, I was this close to saying, okay, sounds good and accepting on the spot. But I had just enough on the ball to say, thank you. Let me run my numbers. I'll come back to you. And I did something that changed my life. I called a senior woman in my field and I said, can I ask you for advice? I got this really good offer. What should I do? And she said, I'm going to tell you what to do, Alex. You're going to get back in there and you are going to ask for more. And here's why. When you teach someone how to value you, you are teaching him how to value all of us. So if you're not going to go in there and do it for yourself, I want you to do it for the woman who's coming after you. Do it for the sisterhood. And so that, Lauren, was the moment that I realized when I ask for more, when I negotiate for myself, it's not selfish. It's actually an act of service. It normalizes what it is to be a woman and to claim one's worth. And that next woman who's coming behind me, she now has a seat at the table. So yeah. after that moment, I thought to myself, I have to do this. And I'm on a mission to teach as many women as possible to do the same. Is that when you decided to also write the book? You were like, okay, ask for more is clearly my theme here. <laughs> <laughs> no. So the answer, the truthful answer, Lauren, is no. After that moment, so I went on to become a professor at Columbia and gradually people started calling me corporations or law firms to ask me to come in and teach about negotiation. And so I would go in, I would do a keynote or a workshop and I would get off stage and people would say to me, gosh, this was great. Where can we go to read more about your approach? And I realized Lauren that I was recommending the same three or four books all written by men over and over again. And one day after I stepped off the stage, I thought, that's it. That's the last engagement I'm going to do where I recommend somebody else's book. It's time for me to get over my imposter syndrome and step out and write the book that I know I can write. And mm -hmm. that was the moment I decided to ask for more. I love that. So tell us a little bit about how you view negotiation, because I know a lot of people look at it as like, we're just going to find a compromise in the middle. It all like the picture you have in your head is this like two people yelling at each other, fighting, <laughs> you know, and I feel like a lot of people, their negotiation strategies, literally, they just say, 
they asked for more knowing that they're going to get less. And so they've already kind of predetermined, like, I'm going to do this thing that I'm not going to get. And I'm just, I'm like, psychologically, this is like such a mind game that we play with ourselves. So let's talk about like your definition of negotiation and what that means. Yeah, absolutely. Early on in my career, I thought that negotiation was basically haggling. It was a back and forth with somebody else to get to an agreement over money. And in fact, a lot of the popular media we see, like television shows like Entourage, right? You know, that one of the great old negotiation classics, or even books define it that way. But I learned what negotiation was on my honeymoon. And not just because I married another lawyer, although that <laughs> certainly made things challenging, but it was because, picture this, I'm in a kayak in Hawaii, okay? I'm on Kauai on the Wailua River, And this guide up ahead turns back to us and says, all right, folks, let's negotiate these things to the left because we're going to hit that beach up ahead. And that was the moment, Lauren, that I thought to myself, you know, negotiate. There's another way to think about it. If I'm negotiating my kayak toward a beach, what am I doing? I'm steering. And in that moment, I thought to myself, Negotiation is so much more than money. Even if we're talking about business, what if I treated every conversation I had with my clients as an opportunity to steer the relationship? Thinking about our relationship or even my career like a kayak that I'm consistently steering toward the most beautiful beach I want to hit. What if I was intentional about all of those conversations? And what's so interesting is that when I started thinking, okay, negotiation is just steering. I'm just steering my relationships. I looked around and I saw opportunities to negotiate everywhere, especially as a woman. I realized I don't have to wait until the performance review to negotiate my career. I can be approaching that person and saying, I'd love to work on that team. Here's what I can bring to it. I'd love to participate in that client pitch. I'd love to go out to coffee with you and ask you about your career, that there was so much I could be steering. And thinking about it that way put me in the driver's seat of my own career in a way that I've never experienced before. And you know what else? The money follows. Because the money is always secondary to the relationship. The relationship creates the deal and not the other way around. And so if you're listening to this, and you're somebody people really trust, if you're good at steering relationships, congratulations, you can be a great negotiator. Let's take a quick break to talk about an amazing rideshare app called Alto. Alto is setting a new standard for ridesharing, both for the riders and the drivers. All of the drivers have background checks and have professional training. And the drivers are W-2 employees, not contractors. So not only do they get benefits, as all employees should, don't get me started on that, of course, they're also trained in performance manage. That means as a rider, you always get a consistently great ride. Plus, Alto owns its fleet of five-star safety and luxury rated vehicles, and they are cleaned between every passenger ride. I think we've all been in a rideshare vehicle that has a, well, questionable level of cleanliness. No more of that with Alto. Alto is designed with you in mind. They take the comfort of the rider to the next level. Not only are you in control of the music, you get complimentary water, backseat AC controls in every car, 
and a signature scent. Oh, and for those of you who like to use your time wisely and would rather be working instead of driving, Alto's got you covered. Alto's in-vehicle Wi-Fi, charging cables, pre-schedule feature, and do not disturb capability makes it a mobile office, so you can add an extra hour to your workday. While taking an Alto ride, you can actually focus on work, listen to your favorite podcast, or do whatever you would rather do instead of commuting and feeling stressed or attempting to multitask while driving, which please don't do that. You can add both a corporate and a personal card to your account for billing, making switching between work trips and leisure activities a breeze. For your work and weekend trips, say goodbye to a rideshare lot. Alto picks up curbside at your favorite airports like LAX, San Francisco, Dallas, DC, Miami, Houston, etc. And they're currently on the road in many of these cities, such as Dallas, LA, Houston, Miami, DC, and San Francisco. Download the Alto app and use code CONTESSA in the promotion section for $20 off your first two rides. That's code CONTESSA in the promotion section for $20 off your first two rides. All right, now let's get back to the show. Hi guys, my name is Sarah Nicole and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast, where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays, subscribe, rate and review it and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and the birds with Fire on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. And one of the things that you talk about in your book too is the questions and the listening part of negotiation, which I think a lot of people, again, they, they think the assertive loud voice that's making their demands is the voice that gets heard. But can we talk about the questions and what questions do you ask in a negotiation to ultimately get what you want? Yeah, it's really interesting, Lauren, because one of the reasons I wrote Ask for More is that I could see I help every year thousands of people negotiate really critical situations. It could be money. It could be a legal situation, a business situation. And over and over again, I saw that the people who led with questions, they asked questions first, created much better deals and they also had better relationships coming out at the end. And so imagine, for example, that you're a potential client of mine, maybe a speaking client, and we sit down to talk. Here's the difference between questions and not, okay? I could come in and say, hi, Lauren, my name is Alex Carter. Here's who I am. Here's all the programs I offer and go on about my resume. Or I could come in and say, hey, Lauren, I'm so excited to be talking to you. Tell me more about your business. Tell me your biggest goals this year. What are you looking to achieve? What's keeping you up at night? What are you worried about? Lauren, if we work together six months from now, what would a great success look like in your business? Do you see the difference between those two conversations? One is basically public speaking. It's me coming in and reciting my resume, which you can find online, so who cares? The second one is truly getting to know you. And so then when I'm in a position to be able to pitch and say, here's how I think we can work together, I'm doing that from a place of intelligence, from a place of understanding and consideration. And my response to you is going to be so much more fruitful. So always ask questions first. 
And then you asked a, a second part to that, which is what are the kinds of questions we want to be asking? You know, Lauren, I was embarrassed the day I realized that here I am. I'm a negotiation expert. I teach people about questions all day long. And I was coming home and asking my tween daughter, how was your day at school? (laughs) This is a prime example of a terrible question. Okay. Now, the people out there might be cringing and saying, oh, God, I ask this all the time. Me too. I have to train myself out of it. Here's the thing. Those everyday questions like, how was your day? How are you doing today? A lot of those are actually not questions at all. You know what they are? They're social scripts. When I ask you, right, how are you doing today, Lauren? You're like, I'm great, Alex. How are you? We're not actually asking each other anything, are we? We're doing the pleasantries, right, before we get down to talking about the thing that we're actually on the call to discuss. And so my favorite questions to ask people start with what, you know, what's your business? What's concerning you? What do you need? And my favorite question of all, what I call the two magic words that you should start every conversation with, it's tell me, tell me about your business. Tell me your thoughts on the proposal. Tell me the path forward to my getting promoted. Tell me more about the compensation process this year and how that's going to work. Tell me is the question that gets you the most information and really opens up a relationship of trust because Lauren, what I want for people is, I don't want you to be asking for stuff across the table. I want you to be recruiting that person to your side of the table so that you're working together toward an objective. And that is what tell me does when you use it in a negotiation. I also think sometimes this stuff comes down to how you word something and tell me it's not going to offend anybody. It doesn't come off as aggressive. And, you know, as women were told, oh, if we're negotiating, she's too aggressive or she's too this or she's too that. And so tell me, and I'm always looking for these little phrases that we can use. And I think tell me is perfect. One that I really like that I tell people is like, asking your boss, would they consider, because again, these are like more gentle tiptoes. I feel like into, to your point, like building trust and recruiting the person to be back on your side. You also had a a story I know about what happens if people don't learn to negotiate and specifically really what that looks like in the numbers over the number of years, if you don't negotiate, can we talk a little bit about that and like why it's so important to to understand that negotiation skills are something that you want to invest the time and energy to become better at. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a study done of graduate students who went into their first job after their MBA and more of the men negotiated than the women. The women were more likely to take the first offer they received. And what happens then is you have a salary disparity. And even if you and that equivalent man got all the same raises and promotions from that point until the end of your career, you would have to work seven years longer, seven years longer in order to be able to retire at the same level. And You know, Lauren, there are going to be some people who hear this and they cringe and they want to turn this podcast off and they think it's too late. And I want you to know if you didn't negotiate everything you could early on, welcome to the club. 
I am also in that club. Lauren, you're probably in that club. A lot of us are in that club. So if the best time to ask for more was yesterday, the second best time is today. And you can still go out and negotiate for yourself and put yourself in a really, really good position to be able to enjoy the rest of your life, both when you're working and also in your retirement. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite way to turn a no into a yes? So if, you, if you've if you been negotiating and someone has told you no on something, how do you get them to come back to your side or be open to, to giving you what you want? Oh, I'm a specialist in no, Lauren. Let me tell you. There's a big need for software engineers in today's job market, and women are still underrepresented in the tech industry. So it's an exciting time for women to pursue opportunities in the field. If you've ever considered a career in tech or you're looking to transition into a tech role, I would highly recommend checking out Sabio, which is a coding bootcamp and developer community that's been training software engineers since 2013. Sabio does more than just teaching you to code. You actually get real life experience and finding a job is built into the program. After just a few months, you'll graduate with the knowledge and confidence to start a real high paying tech job. With Sabio, you can launch your entire tech career. The Sabio Bootcamp includes a comprehensive curriculum. They teach software engineering skills, tools that will help you impress recruiters, skills for leading a team, and tips for how to run your own business. Many students come into the program thinking they could never learn how to code, and they graduate feeling more empowered and confident than ever. In fact, their alumni are working at some of the most interesting companies around, like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Activision, and the list goes on. The bootcamp is taught remotely, so you can learn from anywhere. Plus, Sabio is extremely affordable. They even offer a women in tech scholarship program for $5,500 off the total cost of tuition. Sabio has set so many women up for success in tech, and they can change your life too. Visit our special URL, sabio.la contessa, to learn more about how you can qualify for a $5,500 Women in Tech Scholarship. That's sabio.la slash Contessa. Sabio is spelled S-A-B-I-O. Don't wait. One more time, go to sabio.la slash Contessa today to learn more. Let's go back and I'll tell you a story. So on March 2nd, 2020, I had lunch with my literary agents in New York City, and we were looking ahead to the release of my book on May 5th, 2020. And they were saying, God, Alex, you have all these in-person events. You're doing all this speaking. You're going to you know, sell so many books. You're going to crush it. Well, as we all know, over the next week or two, everything came crashing down. The television shows that I you know, was booked on either got canceled themselves or were moving on to COVID content. And every single one of those events, the people who had booked me said, we're not doing the event in person, obviously. And also, we're just not going to do a virtual event or buy any books. So I had no staring me in the face everywhere I looked. And I'll admit that my first response to that was to put my head down on the desk and cry for about 10 minutes. And then I picked my head up and I remembered, I teach this. So I called all those people who canceled those speaking engagements one by one And I asked them all the same question. And the question is contained in chapter eight of Ask for More. And the question is, when you're faced with a no, ask somebody, what are your concerns? 
Not why don't you want to do this? Why <laughs> is actually a question, Lauren, that puts people on the defensive. Yeah, I was gonna say, about, that's going to irritate them. <laughs> right? Like, why don't you want to do this? It, it, it sounds, yeah, it sounds defensive and unpleasant. So instead I asked, what are your concerns? Do you know the first person who had canceled the event? I said, what are your concerns with a virtual event? And they said, we don't have the staff to run it. Like, we honestly don't even know how to do a Zoom keynote. And I said, you know, I have staff to run it. Would that help? And they said, yeah, that really would help. We did the event. The second person I called up, I said, what are your concerns with a virtual event? And they said, we're not sure our employees would want one. And I said, that's a really good question. How might you find that out? And they're like, well, we could survey them quickly. They surveyed them. Folks wanted the event. Over and over again, I found, even after I wrote Ask for More, that when somebody says, no, no, Lauren, we can't promote you this year. No, we can't work with you at that level of investment. If you ask people, what are your concerns, and you really listen to the answer, more often than not, you may find a way that you can figure out how to accommodate those concerns and also get the thing that you need. Yeah. I think the the fear of no or or you know what you make up in your mind of them saying no to you and to your point crying and life is over is almost always the bigger deal to you the thing that holds you back more than the follow-up questions and me like it's not over yet. I can still, you know, get back out there and ask some questions, right? Yeah, and here's the thing. I think sometimes as women we see no as a referendum on our worth. That somehow, if somebody says no to me, that means that something is wrong with me or what I'm offering. And the message I have for women is, no is not about you. No could be about the timing. It could be you spoke to the wrong person. It could be that they don't have enough information to understand what you're offering. You know, and so over and over again, I found that when I repeat to myself, this is not about me, I'm able to forge ahead, often change the no to a yes. And there are times when I can't, and truly it's okay because they may need something, I may need something. And maybe that no is freeing me up for the yes that's coming around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to shift gears with negotiation related to sort of this new world we live in related to, you know, people are working hybrid, remote, and I definitely think people are getting more creative with what they do negotiate for, whether they're still in their current job or maybe they're looking for new jobs. And, you know, the tides are always shifting a little bit on who has more of the power, the employees or the employer in that. But what are some things that maybe came out recently for you in regards to what people are negotiating for, some unique things that people are negotiating for? Yeah. So beyond the more obvious ones like hybrid or remote work, there are so many things you can negotiate for. You can negotiate for hours free from meetings, time for deep work that you can use to really innovate and get things done and dig into the more satisfying and creative elements of your job. You can negotiate for support. So a lot of women I know, you know, it, the remote life can be great. It can also be really isolating. And so you might want to negotiate with your employer and say, I'd love to get membership to an organization like Chief, for example, mm -hmm. or The Crew or Luminary. 
lots of these different wonderful clubs run by friends and colleagues of mine. And that can be a great win for your company because you're networking. And it's also a great win for you as well. Lastly, I've seen people negotiate even for, let's say you're burnt out and you've been working double hours for a really long time. People have left, you've been picking up the pieces and you've taken a two week vacation and it isn't cutting it. The latest thing I'm seeing people negotiate for is a more extended sabbatical. Mm. Not every company offers this and sometimes they do, but it's not advertised. But frequently, if it comes down to you saying, I've been overburdened for too long. So in addition to asking for more compensation, I need an extended time off. Between that and losing you, the company would much rather give you the sabbatical. And so think creatively. There are so many things. And what I like to do with clients is to have them make a list of all of their needs well beyond money. What are the things that really make your work life sustainable, rich, fulfilling, and be able to support the rest of your existence. And then how can we translate that into concrete things that we negotiate for you? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So if you could dwindle it down to negotiation to like a few best practices, what would you say they are? And one of the things I was thinking is like, should we always do it in person? But now we've got this remote world. Like, you know, if you could narrow it down to a couple best practices that people should be keeping in mind whenever they get ready to negotiate, what would they be? Absolutely. Number one is remember where negotiation starts. It doesn't start from the moment you sit down with somebody else. It starts at home with you. And how many times have we shut ourselves down or told ourselves no before we give anybody else the chance? And so I want you to remember that that internal negotiation, part of Ask for More, the book I wrote, is mirror questions. It's questions you can ask yourself really to get prepared so that you're on your own team. You know what you need, you know what you're good at, and you're ready to go in and have that second negotiation after you've negotiated with yourself. So that's number one. Number two, I would say, this is also a mirror-related point, but it's so important. Remember your prior successes. So many times when we go in to negotiate, we think, oh gosh, the last time I did this, this went wrong, or this was hard, or I froze here. Instead, I want you to do the following. Before you go in to that negotiation, I want you to write down a time that you've been successful in the past. Write it down. Actually take out the pen and paper or type on a sheet and write down how you've been successful. Because number one, when you do that, it's a power prime on your brain. So you will actually go in to negotiate, not as regular Lauren, but super Lauren who did that awesome thing before. But also when you start from your successes, you remember what makes you special, how you achieved things before. For example, I'm a really big rapport negotiator. I use a lot of humor. I'm great at connecting with people. And so if I go into a big negotiation remembering, hey, the last time I did something like this, I was really like funny and I connected with the person and that helped us. Well, now I know how we're going to do it again. And the third thing I would say, and this is interesting, Lauren, because everything we've been talking about up until this point has involved talking, right? Asking questions, 
you know, being able to articulate your point of view. But sometimes the best negotiation strategy is this. Yeah. Silence. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Did you notice almost after like a second and a half, we were ready to jump in? Yeah, and we're like so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I relate. I was born in Brooklyn. We're allergic to silence. Okay. I'm half <laughs> Italian. Italians hate silence. But here is the scoop. Do you know recent research? I had to update the paperback version of Ask for More because research came out in 2021 that said if you allow silence when you're negotiating, you are more likely to get a high value move from the other side instead of just talking and bidding against yourself. And so when I say, Lauren, what do you need to get this deal done here today? What I don't want is to step on that then and say, you know, I know the proposal has a lot of detail and I know it's a large investment, but I promise I'm going to be worth it. No, land the plane. That's my last piece of advice. Make your proposal, ask your question, and then allow at least three and a half seconds of silence. That is enough silence for the other person to really consider your value, consider what you bring to the table, and you will be shocked at how often you don't get a counter proposal. You just get the other person saying, yes, let's do it. Mm -hmm. That's also very good advice for salary negotiation, because I feel like if someone, if you, let's say you're like, I want to increase my salary 20% and they don't respond right away, you immediately start to second guess. Like that was too high. I knew it was too greedy. All that stuff just flutters to your internal dialogue. I do want to end on one note about salary negotiation, because I know a lot of people are probably listening to this, thinking about either for that job offer or for negotiating a raise. What's your best advice on salary negotiation? Do you go in there knowing your exact number or do you let them name the number. This is sort of this like always a debate depending on which negotiation expert they always have their point of view. Okay. So great question. My first piece of salary advice, by the way, is set the date, but don't wait to set the stage. Salary negotiation is not something you do one day a year. This is a year round political campaign. And how well that one conversation goes depends on how often you're going to your boss and saying, hey, Lauren, wanted to share with you this huge win we got with the client. Thanks so much for your support. You want them to be hearing from you throughout the year. Okay. But then you get in to the salary negotiation. And the question of, do you drop the number first is a big one. It depends on how much information you have. If, for example, You've gotten info from HR or for other people around that, like one woman I heard from recently, that she was being paid half of what her male colleagues were being paid. Okay. (laughs) If you have specific, I know, Lauren, I got to tell you, I heard that and I had to go out for a rage walk because I just, (laughs) I I was like, I cannot. What year are we living in? Yeah. So if you have specific information, rock solid information about how much you are undervalued, then yes, by all means, go in and say, we both know that market for this position is double what I'm currently making, right? So what information can I get you, Lauren, in order for us to bring me up to where I need to be? Yet again, the question, I want to recruit you. Tell me how I can help you make the case to double my salary to where it should be according to the market, okay? If you don't have good information 
And a lot of companies are not transparent about this. We've seen all the stories on Twitter or other social media. Somebody goes in, they say, I want 85,000. The recruiter says yes. And really they had 120,000 to spend on that position. If you don't have good information, then I might let them lead with the number and then you can negotiate from there. Yeah, I love that. I love that advice. And I I think it's an easy way to filter because you either have the advice or you don't. And a little you know, hack for people. If your company is using a compensation analyst or team, they absolutely have a lot more access to the information than you do. (laughs) So a lot of times they are doing that. And of course there are other salary bands, but to your point, you can ask questions related to how can we get me to, you know, the higher of, you know, the higher end of that level. So Alex, this is fantastic. I feel like we just got a negotiation one-on-one course, which I love. Tell people where they can find you, learn more about your book. We don't care about anyone else's book. Just tell us about yours. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. So you can find me on my website, alexcarterasks.com. I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn. I post there almost every day. I'm reluctantly on Twitter. I find it's bad for my mental health. (laughs) But, you know, I would love to be your long-term partner in your negotiation success. So please do come find me, hit me up and would love to hear what you took from this conversation. Amazing. We're going to add all the links to that in the show notes, as well as your book, which is Ask for More, which makes it easy to remember. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contested Podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review our show. If you want to learn more about Alex Carter and her book, Ask for More, we made sure to include all the important links in the show notes. Lastly, don't forget that we created Asking for a Raise 101, an online course that teaches you exactly how to determine your market rate and successfully negotiate it. Your enrollment includes lifetime access to the course video tutorials, workbooks, scripts, and more. Link in the show notes to learn more about Asking for a Raise 101. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.